Dear loving Father in heaven, praise, honor, glory, and adoration be unto your holy name. Thank you, Father, for the spiritual blessings you give to us and also for the temporal blessings you give to us. Thank you, Father, for the words which we hear stirring our hearts and causing us to make changes in our lives. Lord, another opportunity is before us for you to transform us through your word. Grant us of your spirit that we may understand and put your words in my mouth. Grant me of your spirit too to bless your children with your word. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, February 20. The Holy Spirit, our helper, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 Through the ministry of the angels, the Holy Spirit is enabled to work upon the mind and heart of the human agent and draw him to Christ. But the Spirit of God does not interfere with the freedom of the human agent. The Holy Spirit is given to be a helper so that man may cooperate with the divine and it is given to him to draw the soul but never to force obedience. Christ is ready to impart all heavenly influences. He knows every temptation that comes to man and the capabilities of each. He weighs his strength. He sees the present and the future and presents before the mind the obligations that should be met and urges that common earthly things shall not be permitted to be so absorbing that eternal things shall be lost out of the reckoning. The Lord has fullness of grace to bestow on everyone that will receive of the heavenly gift. The Holy Spirit will bring the God-entrusted capabilities into Christ's service and will mold and fashion the human agent according to the divine pattern. The Holy Spirit is our efficiency in the work of character building, in forming characters after the divine similitude. When we think ourselves capable of molding our own experience, we make a great mistake. We can never of ourselves obtain the victory over temptation. But those who have genuine faith in Christ will be worked by the Holy Spirit. The soul in whose heart faith abides will grow into a beautiful temple for the Lord. He is directed by the grace of Christ. Just in proportion as he depends on the Holy Spirit's teaching, he will grow. The influence of the Holy Spirit is the life of Christ in the soul. We do not now see Christ and speak to him, but his Holy Spirit is just as near us in one place as another. It works in and through everyone who receives Christ. Those who know the indwelling of the Spirit reveal the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Spirit, Our Helper. Our devotion yesterday was continuing in the topic of understanding what it means for God to work in us. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 tells us that God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the illustration of God knocking at the door of our hearts to come in represents the word that you hear from the preacher or that you read. It represents every reproof, warning, instruction that you hear from the word of God are asking to come and transform your lives. As you heard, you may have felt the difficulty of making changes. You may have felt the difficulty of cutting away your idols and taking away the mass of rubbish that has piled up at the door of your heart that is stopping Jesus from coming in. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be worried. The Lord has a solution, and that is the Holy Spirit, our helper. God has an agency called the Holy Spirit. While Jesus knocks through the word, remember that we read in 1st Peter chapter 1 reading from verse 22 and 23 we are told that we are born again by the word of God and in John chapter 1 verse 12 we are told as many as received him to them gave he power that is as many as received the word remember that the word is what is knocking there are two things that take that are separate personalities here the word Jesus knocks but then, Jesus says in John 6 verse 63, The word I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus knocks with the word. When you receive the word, he does something. John 1 verse 12, he gives power. That power is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. This is the efficiency. Are you finding it difficult to give up your ideas? Are you finding it difficult to give up the articles and idols that the Lord has said you should give up, whether it is in case of diet, entertainment, indulgences, ideas, superstitions, your dress? Are you finding it difficult to make radical changes? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will not be given unless you do the things you need to do for your Holy Spirit to come. There is a work that the Holy Spirit does regardless of whether you have accepted the word of God or not. But then the Holy Spirit's work gets deeper and deeper. The basic work of the Holy Spirit is done in every soul, which is to draw all men to God. We have seen in our high, um, that I may know him, page 54, paragraph 2, where it says, The world's Redeemer illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit upon the human heart. The living agent, by an act of faith of his own, places himself in the hands of the Lord to work in him his good pleasure in his time. So the Holy Spirit, we have seen that he is the one that comes in, that knocking, when Jesus wants to come in to work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is the Holy Spirit that does that. 
we have already seen how God works in us. It is by abiding in us. We saw this as a figurative thing yesterday. We saw how it is that if his words abide in us, then God's ab- God abides in us. But there is a literal part of God abiding in us. Man is, is created as being capable of having a spiritual nature. He is human, but the human is a vessel for the Spirit of God. It is through the Spirit of God that God literally dwells in us. Jesus gave us the promise in John 16 verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Who is this Comforter Jesus is referring to? John 14 verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So the Comforter is that Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send him to you. How does he work? John 14 verse 15 to 18. There is a process. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. So how does Jesus come to us? Through the Holy Spirit. But what are the conditions? If you love me, keep my commandments. From here we see that for God to come into us and work in us, it is through the Holy Spirit which Jesus, which John calls the anointing. He, act, he actually abides in us. We read today in page 57, paragraph 5 of our devotion, the influence of the Holy Spirit in, is the life of Christ in the soul. So that is Christ coming to abide in us represents the influence of the Holy Spirit in our soul. We do not now see Christ and speak to him, but his Holy Spirit is just as near us in one place as another. It works in and through everyone who receives Christ. Remember, that's the condition. The Holy Spirit works in only those that receive Christ. And what does it mean to receive Christ? Remember the knock? Remember the reproofs? Remember the warnings? When you receive those warnings, the Holy Spirit then works. Continuing, it says, Those who know the indwelling of the Spirit reveal the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. End of quote. It is through the Holy Spirit that God works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. We have been going through the process of understanding what it means for us to be sons of God just as Jesus was called the Son of God. He was born of the Spirit, and God granted him the Spirit in its full measure. John the Baptist, speaking about this, said in John 3 verse 33 to 35, He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent, which is Jesus Christ, speaketh the words of God. And also us, if if God sends us, we speak God's words. And this is the reason it says, For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. Amen. So Jesus being referred to here in the immediate context, John says that he speaks the words of God. Why? Because God has given him the Spirit in its fullness. It is not by measure, but in its fullness. But then, 
Does God also want to give you the Spirit in its fullness? Yes, He does. This is the same thing God wants to do for us. He wants to give us the full measure of the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Ephesians 3 verse 16 to 19. Speaking to us, it says that He would grant you and me according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened, hear this, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend how much? To comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with how much? With all, all the fullness of God. Amen. Don't think that God is withholding his spirit from you in his full measure. God wants to grant to us the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus had, that he spoke the words of God, that he allowed the Father to dwell in him, that he overcame. And if we must overcome as he overcame, we need the power. Jesus said, we cannot do it on our own. We must abide in him. Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. John 1 verse 12, as many as received him to them gave he power to become sons of God. We need some external supernatural power if in order for us to let Jesus to come in. In order for God to work in us, to will and to do of his good pleasure. We must work out our salvation. We must allow the word, the warning, the reproofs we hear to have an influence on us. We must consent. We must choose. That's our own duty. You may struggle to end that relationship. You may struggle to change whether your dress, your diet, the day of worship, you may struggle in anything the Lord asks you to give up and to do the things he asked you to do. But first of all, believe. First of all, receive. Receive the word. Acknowledge it to be true. Then pray to the Lord. I have acknowledged it. I want to do this thing you've asked me to do. I, have, I want to let you in. But there's a pile of rubbish at the door and I don't have power to remove the rubbish. The superstitious beliefs, heresies, the indulgences that I have, the entertainment that I enjoy, my own inclinations and my desires, it's too heavy for me to remove. But I have accepted what you have said. Now give me power. Because you cannot remove it by yourself. You need power, the Holy Spirit power, and we must pray for it. How does Christ dwell in our hearts? Remember what we read earlier in John 14 verse 15 to 18. It says there, that Jesus dwells in our hearts through the Spirit. He said, I will come to you. And how is he coming? Through the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, that is Jesus that has come to you. Jesus was filled with the Spirit and that is how God dwelt in him. He offers to us this same privilege, that we may be filled with the fullness of God lacking absolutely nothing. Behold what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us, that we may be filled with the fullness of God and God will walk in us through his Spirit. Now, we must remember the process of receiving the Spirit and the work the Spirit wants to do in us. Let's talk about the process first of all. In order for us to receive the Spirit, we must obey. Like I said earlier, though some people won't say only believers have the Spirit. In a sense, yes. But in a sense, no. The Holy Spirit is working on the most wicked heart. There is one work that is basic for the Holy Spirit to do for everybody, both righteous and wicked. The most wicked. In fact, the most wicked. And that is the work of drawing. 
the work of drawing. When Jesus says, no man cometh unto me except the Father draws him. That drawing is done by the Holy Spirit. In our devotion in that I may know him, we saw how it is that it is through the Spirit that the Lord draws us. So that work is basic. But then, to receive the power, you have to do something to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And like I've already said, pray to the Lord. But let's go through the Word of God to understand. Remember that passage we read, John 14, verse 15 to 18? Jesus gave a condition. He said, If you love me, keep my commandments, then I will pray to the Father. He will then give you another comforter. That is the process. We must be obedient to the Word of God. To further buttress this, in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 32, Peter speaking said, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God had given to them that obey him. I'm not the one that wrote that. In this sense of receiving power, we must be obedient to God before we receive power. There is a power to obey and there is a power to work for the Lord. The power to obey, you can pray to the Lord, give me grace to obey. God will give you the Spirit. And when you continue in obedience, the Spirit remains with you. That is why Jesus said, keep my commandments, then I'll pray to the Father. You will say, how can I keep the commandments when I don't have the Holy Spirit? You do have the Spirit of God waiting at your back and calling. Pray to the Lord and He will give you. That's the next process. Ask. Luke 11 verse 9 to 13. Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For everyone that asks receiveth. And then in verse 13 He said, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So that is what we must do. Ask. You need power to obey. Ask for the Holy Spirit. But that asking will only take place when you have decided, when you have chosen. That's the first work you must do. To choose to obey. To say, I have heard the knocking on the door. I have heard the reproofs, the warnings and instructions. Now, Lord, I want to obey. Please give me strength. Many times, when you do obey, it's because it is painful. You cannot bear it. looks like you cannot bear it because of the changes that are taking place in your life. But then that is when you need greater power because that first time when you made that change, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that caused you to make it. But you must dwell in Him, abide in Him that the power should be supplied over and over again that you may be strong enough to continue in your obedience. In order to have the Holy Spirit, we must also believe. We saw it in what we read in Ephesians 3, verse 16 and 17. We said that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. So you must believe because if you do not believe, you cannot receive. If you believe that I have asked, you have to believe the word of God. God said, if you ask, I will give. So it is now left for you after you have asked to believe that God has given you his spirit and rise up from the prayer in strength, knowing that the Lord will answer the prayer and will be faithful to do what he has said. The Lord said, I will give if you ask. Then believe that he gives and don't vacillate. Don't be double-minded. What about the work of the Holy Spirit? The first work that the Holy Spirit does like I have said earlier, is the work of repentance in every soul, even the most wicked. John 6 verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This drawing is done by the Holy Spirit. We saw it in the devotion today, page 57, paragraph 2. It says, 
through the ministry of the angels, the Holy Spirit is enabled to work upon the mind of the human agent and draw him to Christ. And at the end of it, it says, the Holy Spirit is given to be a helper so that man may cooperate with the divine and it is given to him to draw the soul but never to force obedience. I want us to take note of what the work of the Holy Spirit here is. Even when you have not accepted Jesus, when you are still living a life of sin, the Holy Spirit is working in you. But not to force you, but to draw you. John 16 verse 7 to 11. This is the work that the Holy Spirit does. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So let's stop there. Verse 8. The work of the Holy Spirit is to reprove of sin. This is the work of drawing. When you have not even accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit is telling you, look at what you are doing. Look at this lie you just told. You are telling lies and God has been good to you. Look at how he saved you. He provides for you. He does so many good things to you. He has even covered you up so that nobody is even able to tell what you did that was wrong. He has hidden it from the eyes of many. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you. You have not yet repented. He is convicting you of your sins. Acts 5 verse 30 and 31 says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him had God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. You cannot repent of your sins except the Holy Spirit works on you, except he draws you. God gives repentance through the working of the Holy Spirit in the mind. Reading God's Amazing Grace, page 138, it says, Repentance is one of the first fruits of saving grace. Our great teacher in his lessons to erring fallen man presents the life-giving power of his grace, declaring that through this grace, men and women may live the new life of holiness and purity. He who lives this life works out the principles of the kingdom of heaven. The working of the Holy Spirit in his life shows that he is a partaker of the divine nature. Every soul thus walked by the Spirit of Christ receives so abundant a supply of the rich grace that beholding his good works, the unbelieving world acknowledges that he is controlled and sustained by divine power and is led to glorify God. And in paragraph 4 we are told, Repentance for sin is the first fruits of the working of the Holy Spirit in the life. It is the only process by which infinite purity reflects the image of Christ in his redeemed subjects. In Christ, all fullness dwells. End of quote. Amen. So, when the Holy Spirit does the work of conviction of sin, at that point, you may not have received power to become the Son of God. That's why I said this is a basic work that the Holy Spirit does for wicked and righteous. He continues to convict of sin. That is the drawing. Then, we are told he convicts of righteousness. What does that mean? He gives you power now. When you have been convicted of sin and you say, Lord, I have sinned. I have heard the knocking. I've heard the reproof. I've heard the warning telling me that I need to make radical changes in my life. Please help me. The Holy Spirit was the one that convicted you that you did wrong. Now you pray for power. 
the Holy Spirit is now given to you in a fuller measure than before. In fact, the first one, you never even asked for it. God is just doing it. He's drawing you by himself even though you don't ask. But this time now, he needs permission to come in. He does not force. You need to ask because the Holy Spirit is not going to change you when you have not requested for the change. Ask and then the Holy Spirit will now be given. He will change your life and grant to you repentance and then convict you of righteousness. What does that mean? He gives you power to live a righteous life. You know we read in our devotion that through the ministry of the angels, that part was very important, that I may know him, page 57, paragraph 2, through the ministry of the angels, the Holy Spirit is enabled to work. Why is it through the ministry of the angels? Because angels are ministering spirits themselves. The Holy Spirit is a separate entity from the angels, yes. But through those angels, God is working. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse 7, it says, And of the angels... He saith, who, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. And in verse 14, talking about the angels, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So it is the Holy Spirit working in tandem with the holy angels that works on us, convicting us both of sin and of righteousness. Angels are around us. They whisper in our ears. They talk to us. The Holy Spirit, using them, talk to us. And in our own hearts, the Spirit dwells there. The work done by heavenly agencies is so much. Holy angels, Holy Spirit, Jesus is the interceding in the most holy place. All heaven needed to change one soul. Can you imagine? One soul. Do you see the work that needs to be done for us to change? It shows us that sin is no small matter. Sin caused our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, to come down to this earth, die on the cross of Calvary for my sin. Sin has drawn the whole heaven down to earth, all angels walking. Sin has brought the Holy Spirit down to this earth. Sin, the Father sent his Son. The great work being done on our behalf, just so that we can be sons of God. So like I was saying, the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness, walking through the holy angels, making us to make right decisions. Reading from Councils for the Church, page 184, paragraph 2, we are told, You all have an influence for good or for evil on the minds and characters of others. And just the influence which you exert is written in the book of records in heaven. An angel is attending you and taking record of your words and actions. When you rise in the morning, do you feel your helplessness and your need of strength from God? And do you humbly, heartily make known your wants to your Heavenly Father? If so, angels mark your prayers. And if these prayers have not gone forth out of feigned lips, when you are in danger of unconsciously doing wrong and exerting an influence which, lead, which will lead others to do wrong, your guardian angel will be by your side prompting you to a better course, choosing your words for you and influencing your actions. End of quote. Amen. Remember that it is through the ministry of the angels that the Holy Spirit works. So whatever the angels are doing, it is the Holy Spirit that is doing it. They are convicting of righteousness. They are telling you, no, don't say that. Don't do this. Your influence will be wrong and they give you power to do the right things. Through the angels, the Holy Spirit is there to choose our words and convict us of righteousness, stopping us from speaking wrong words and making us to choose the right words and not just words, to also choose the right course of action. 
And then we are told that the Holy Spirit convicts us of judgment. You know, whenever we hear the word judgment, we always are afraid, as if judgment is a terrible thing for us. No, judgment is the best thing that has ever happened to man. Remember what Jesus said in John 3 verse 17? The Father did not send the world to judge or to condemn the world, but to save. Whosoever believeth in the Son, and in verse 18 he says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, that he is not judged, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he believeth not in the Son. So, what is judgment in this sense? We all are already condemned. Unless there is a judgment, there is a receipt of the judgment, you cannot come out of that condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of judgment, assuring us that in the judgment seat, Jesus will speak on our behalf. We all have a death sentence on us, but God is bringing our cases again before the heavenly courts to revisit it and to reverse the judgment of condemnation and death that has been put on us because Jesus has died for our sins and he convicts us that Jesus has taken our place and there is hope for us. But for those who will not accept Jesus, what happens? Destruction. Another work the Holy Spirit does is that he reminds us of the spiritual lessons that we have been taught. Jesus said in John 14 verse 26, this is the power that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Do you know that you cannot remember everything you are told? Do you know that? We are so limited as human beings. This looks like a very small thing. But it is not a small matter to bring to your remembrance the things that you have read. John 14 verse 26, Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit that he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So that is one thing he does. What you are learning, he helps you to remember. In the time of temptation, he brings songs to your mind. Those songs, we are there to teach you to remember that God is watching so that you stop from the course of evil you want to do and do right. And then he also reminds you of what the word of God says in the time of temptation or when you are even teaching somebody. He brings to your remembrance what the Lord has said so that you can be a good teacher. Apart from remembering, he also teaches us. In 1 John 2 verse 27, speaking of the Holy Spirit, John said, But the anointing, that's the Holy Spirit, which you received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as he hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And in John 16 verse 33, verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. In chapter verse 14, he says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So that's the work that the Holy Spirit does to teach us. And through the angels, he does more than that. It says, it shows us how he does it. In the book Truth About Angels, page 17, paragraph 2 and 3, we are told, God calls upon his creatures to turn their attention from the confusion and perplexity around them and admire his handiwork. The heavenly bodies are worthy of contemplation. God has made them for the benefit of man. And as we study his works, angels of God will be by our side to enlighten our minds and guard them from satanic deception. Do you know how important that is? You can be studying the word of God. Satan is there to make you misunderstand what the word of God is saying. And that's why I pray every day, Lord, help us through your spirit to understand your word. Let us not rest it out of its true meaning. Let us rightly divide the word of truth. If you are studying the word of God without prayer, 
if you are self-sufficient, if you think that of your own you can just navigate the world and it's easy to understand, Satan is there to misdirect you and to make you to misunderstand the word of God and be deceived. Humble yourself anytime you want to study the word of God. Ask for grace for the Holy Spirit so that you don't rest the word out of his true meaning. If you submit yourself to God and realize your need, because when you don't realize your need, God will not help you. If you realize your need and you pray, Lord, please help me as I'm studying the word, then angels will be by your side to enlighten your mind and to stop you and guard you from satanic deception. In the next paragraph, it says, The angels cooperate with those who try to win souls. In heavenly angels watch those who are seeking for enlightenment. So whenever you are seeking for enlightenment, they are there to help you. They are eager to make you understand the word of God. And then, much more than that, the Spirit also intercedes for us, praying for us, because in Romans 8 verse 26 and 27, we are told, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. God assures us that there is hope for us. In in Youth Instructor, January 1, 1903, we are told, You are not alone in the warfare against wrong. Could the curtain be rolled back, you would see heavenly angels fighting with you. This they must do. It is their work to guard the youth. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands and of thousands of angels minister to the youth. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do, to fight with us, not just for us, but to fight with us. Fighting with us to stop us from going further in evil. When you have done evil and you want to go deeper and deeper, the angels will fight with you. So they are ministering with you. The Holy Spirit will remonstrate, will stop you so that you don't go any further in destruction. But if we don't feel our need, like I've been saying, if you don't ask for the Holy Spirit to aid you in the work of getting victory over your besetments, you cannot get it. Ministry of Healing, page 455, paragraph 3. Page 455 tells us, paragraph 3 and downward, man's great danger is in being self-deceived, indulging self-sufficiency and thus separating from God, the source of his strength. Our natural tendencies, unless corrected by the Holy Spirit of God, have in them the seeds of moral death. Unless we become vitally connected with God, we cannot resist the unhallowed effects of self-indulgence, self-love and temptation to sin. In order to receive help from Christ, remember the Holy Spirit our helper, in order to receive help from Christ, we must realize our need. We must have a true knowledge of ourselves. It is only he who knows himself to be a sinner that Christ can save. Only as we see our utter helplessness and renounce all self-trust shall we lay hold on divine power. It is not only at the beginning of the Christian life that this renunciation of self is to be made. At every advanced step heavenward, it is to be renewed. All our good works are dependent. You can't do it by yourself. They are dependent on a power outside of ourselves. Therefore, there needs to be a continual reaching out of the heart after God, a constant earnest confession of sin and humbling of the soul before Him. 
perils surround us and we are safe only as we feel our weakness and cling with the grasp of faith to our mighty deliverer end of quote amen if i'm to identify the real problem with all humanity why is it that especially most christians we do not overcome it is this when we don't feel our weakness we know that we need power we know that we must abide in christ but we cannot abide in Christ. We can say it all we want. Abide in him and he in you and all of that. You can say that over and over again. But the man that does not feel his weakness inevitably will not abide in Christ. He will not ask for strength. You think you can do everything by yourself. Why are you asking for strength? We must realize our weakness. Not just something you say, oh, I believe. But fine, it's good to believe even though you don't see it. You can say by faith, since God says I'm weak and I can't do anything on my own, let me believe it. But you also need to see it. That there's a lot we cannot do by ourselves. And whether believing or understanding, we need to constantly realize it that we cannot believe by ourselves. We need a help outside of ourselves. We need a power outside of ourselves. Therefore, we constantly need to be in a state of realizing this weakness because if we don't realize it we will not ask for power so we must constantly realize our weakness the moment you feel strong that's where you fall pride goeth before a fall let him that think he standeth take it lest he fall when you think you are standing by yourself you will leave christ you will no longer abide in him you will not ask for power and that's where you fall but when we constantly feel our weakness and our need you will seek for help because when you fall you now realize you are weak then you go to god please help me please help me but why does it have to happen like that it only happens like that because we stopped feeling our weakness and we left god but if we constantly feel our weakness we will not need to fall and then say lord help me we will constantly say lord help me even in the time of temptation we will not go and meet temptation by ourselves thinking that we can bear it anything at all no matter how little we will say lord help me and strengthen me the lord has given us the efficiency of his holy spirit it is for us to take advantage of. We can overcome fully, completely. May God give us that grace. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the agency of your Spirit. Thank you for the agency of the holy angels. Because without this power, you can knock. The knocking and knocking will not bring about any change. The pile of rubbish will still be at the door and there will be no entrance. But thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and we ask now for everyone who is listening, for myself, grant us the gift of your Spirit that we may receive power to be sons of God. Help us to constantly feel our weakness that we will constantly abide in you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for his imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org.